The 2023 Cigar Thoughts Positional Breakdown Series rolls on as Colby Parkinson joins us to chop up the various aspects of playing tight end. The former Stanford standout and current Seattle Seahawk enters the lounge to discuss the ins and outs of one of football's most nuanced positions. Let's light them up. I'm Jackson Bevins, and this is Cigar Thoughts. Welcome back to the Cigar Lounge. I am Jackson Bevins, and along with my flamboyant producer, Mike Barwin, this is the Cigar Thoughts Podcast. Mike, how are we doing today? Doing well, Jackson. We are one month into positional breakdowns, and the freight train shows no signs of slowing down. So excited, feeling good, man. How are you? Uh, Feeling the same way, man. It would be tough to be happier or more excited to do a show than I am right now because we have one of my favorite current Seahawks in the lounge with us to give us the boots on the ground truth about playing tight end. But before we do that, I want to thank everyone who has left us a review over the past year and a half. And we want to start giving some love to those of you who have taken the time. Yeah, we're going to run another. Review today, this one comes in from Yedison301. Yedison says, There is not a better podcast out there for Seahawks fans. Jackson and team bring on amazing guests and have a great time. A must listen. And that feels pertinent because of the amazing guests that we have on today. Yeah, we really do, man. And thank you, Yedison, for those kind words. It means a lot to us. You know, Mike and I do this because we have a lot of fun. And it gives us an inside track to becoming smarter Seahawks fans and people who follow the game. But It's just so encouraging to hear that other people are enjoying it as well. So thank you so much for that. You guys can still get your official Cigar Thoughts cigars directly from CigarThoughtsNFL.com. Just follow the link and place your order to get these very special stogies made from 13-year-aged premium Dominican tobacco leaf. Or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and we'll shoot you the deets directly. We've also launched our YouTube channel where you can catch entire episodes as well as video clips from every show, including this one. This is one of the best ways you can support Cigar Thoughts. So we're grateful for the few seconds you can take to subscribe. You know, Mike, today continues a remarkable run of guests that we've had on this positional breakdown series. As you know, we've had Walter Jones, Mina Kimes, and Michael Bumpus on to talk about the O-line, quarterback, and wide receiver positions over the last few weeks. It certainly made me a smarter fan and analyst of the game. But today, we get to hear about the tight end position from someone who is currently doing it in the NFL. He put up over 1,000 yards and 8 touchdowns in his final two years at Stanford before being selected in the fourth round of the 2020 draft by the Seattle Seahawks. Last year, he posted 25 catches for 322 yards and two scores while helping to spring a number of big runs with his blocking. He stands six foot seven, wears number 84, and is one of the biggest cigar enthusiasts I've ever had the pleasure <laughs> of smoking with. He is Colby Parkinson. Colby, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, fellas. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. No, we're, we're stoked to have you. And I got the opportunity to hang with you and your brother Garrett at the Vertigo Cigar Lounge in Seattle a few yeah. months ago. Shout out to Seattle Cigar Concierge for making that happen. Uh-huh, no doubt. Yeah, that was a blast, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say it took me all of about 60 seconds to realize that you are a man who appreciates the finest stogies. <laughs> so I, do indeed. I broke out a special 1964 anniversary series from Padron for today. Uh-huh. What you got? Uh, I got, uh, not entirely sure what the shape is, but it's a Fuente Opus X. Uh, it's kind of a short boy, not entirely sure, but, uh, Seattle, uh, cigar concierge hooked it up as always. 
Uh, so I'll be, always, I'll be enjoying some, some premium stuff today. God, the ultimate plug. And I should have known, man. I mean, you invite a professional athlete into the cigar lounge, you're going to get a professional <laughs> cigar. Yeah, no, <laughs> no question about it. I've got a few opuses. Is it opuses? Opi? What's, what's plural for opus? I don't, opi. I don't want to go down that road. <laughs> <laughs> I got a few opi at home yeah. in their own special humidor because, uh, yeah, those are on the top rung of the cigar ladder for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I got a, I got a bunch that I'm can't wait to smoke. Uh, Seattle uh, Cigar Concierge. Good little plug for him right there. Yeah, absolutely. We got, you, we got you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> He's earned it, man. He's earned it. Well, yeah. listen, uh, we're excited to get into your specific line of work with you today. But before we do, talk to us a little bit about what an NFL offseason looks like. Sure. Obviously, this has been a special one for you because you just got married. Yeah. Congrats again on that. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Of course. But as a football player, walk us through what your life looks like from the time the season ends until that first preseason game kicks off. Sure. So, uh, season ends hopefully as late as possible um, mm-hmm. for us ended after the first round this year so we're off about mid-january uh, and we don't have any mandatory team activities uh, until mid-april to late april uh, so a lot of guys will take some time off you know take a month off go relax recover from the season lick your wounds kind of um, and then kind of start ramping back up around march like you said i got married in march so that was kind of a, a big life event that happened which uh, su- super blessed to be married now and have such a godly woman to do life with. Uh, so things like that will happen that time of year. And then you're back in uh, wherever your team is. So we're back in Washington from April to mid June. And then you have about four or five weeks off and then you're back third week of July, ready to go. And then you're there for the next seven to eight months. Yeah, man. You, you mentioned licking your wounds and I'm glad you did because one of the things that you, you hear it every off season. You just find out dudes were playing through some stuff yeah. during the season, right? And you don't yeah. want it to end up on the injury report. You want of to course. be out there, all that stuff. Do you uh, suffer any maladies that you kind of <laughs> just had to grit through during the season? Yeah, there's there's always, you know, hands, wrists, feet. You know, the sport we play is kind of just something's going to go off. Uh, but thankfully, I mean, last season was my first full season since college where didn't miss a game. Um, no injury setbacks. So that was huge. That was a huge blessing. So looking forward to carrying that into this year, carrying some momentum and being ready to go. You know, you're entering your fourth season in the league and your evolution was really apparent last year. You saw a high snap share. You were part of some really big plays, mm-hmm. but take me back in time a little bit to getting drafted. Yeah. Like what, what were you hearing? Did you have a feeling Seattle was interested? What led up to that moment where you sure. got your name called? Yeah, I I thought Seattle might be interested. A couple of days before the draft, the scout hit me up. He was like, "Hey, who really likes you?" Um, so that we can jump in front of them. And I thought he was just you know being nice, <laughs> playing the game. Uh, so I was like, oh, the Rams and the Falcons. Those were those are the two I was watching. You know, everyone that's in the draft process has a, a couple teams where they're like, okay, every time they're up on the ticker, I'm like watching my phone, hoping I get a call. Where, where were you during all this? It was COVID. So I was back home in SoCal with my family. Okay. But it was just us in my parents' room, living room. Uh, so it was kind of a weird experience. You know, you couldn't really go out and celebrate. We actually smoked the 80th uh, anniversary Padron uh, to celebrate that night, <laughs> which was at Synergy, the t- baby. Yeah, I love ex- it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which was at the time, it's still an amazing cigar, but that was like my number one. So that was that was a really cool experience with my, my dad yeah. and my brother, who you know. Um but wasn't entirely sure who was going to take me. Got the call from Seattle and all the stress and anxiety that had happened the previous couple of days just washed away in a second. And Oh, man. Yeah, overwhelmed oh, with man. emotion. And I think I was going to cry, but then you get like 10 calls in a row. So I got the oh, call from man. John and then we talk and like, 
they, I think I was super like melancholy. Actually, I was just like, "Oh, thank you so much." Phone down, and then I put like my head down and started crying. Um, but then you, I, I talked to Pete. I talked to Pat, my positions coach. I talked to Shoddy, who was the OC at the time. Russ Facetimed me, which was really cool. Uh, and then you're just talking like media and all that. So it kind of it's kind of hard to feel all the emotion, but super special day. Sure. It was amazing. That's awesome, man. So I I got one. So you get drafted. You're you're realizing, okay, I'm a professional football player now. But what was that one moment? Whether it was in that first off season or maybe in a game that was like you're welcome to the NFL moment. Where yeah, it really hit you like this is the big leagues. Sure. Uh, well, again, it was a, a weird year, so it was COVID. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was back home during uh, the first part of it. I actually re-enrolled in classes during OTAs my rookie year because uh, everything was online. So I was doing classes, straight into meetings, straight to workout, back, classes, all that. Um, I think my welcome to the league moment was, I'd say we were playing the Eagles, and I was in on, he just put me in on a random play. It was pass protection. And I think I did pass pro maybe twice at Stanford. I was, I was like, I was like, all right, I, I guess I'm doing everything now. Uh, yeah. And they, they told me that and I was prepared for the moment, but uh, it wasn't like a huge, you know, stud against that was going against me or, you know, someone that like really rocked my world. But just the idea of pass protection at first was like, oh, all right, I guess I got to prepare to be, you know, cover all facets of the tight end game. Well, let's talk about that because I feel like this is one of the most misunderstood positions in American sports because you're really having to learn two different sets of skills, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you definitely are. You got to be able to, you know, be a receiver, run, catch, uh, try to do something after you catch the ball. Uh, And then you got to be able to be an offensive lineman at the same time. So it's really fun, though, because you kind of you get to do both. You're not just, you know, locked into one. Uh, So I really enjoy that part. So how is your time split between learning about your responsibilities as a receiver and your responsibilities as a blocker? Like, do you guys spend time with the O-line specifically as well as the receivers? Yeah. Are you guys kind of your own thing in terms of film and players meeting, things like that? Sure. In terms of meetings and film time, a lot of it, uh, pass game, we'll we'll usually all be together. And then run game, our tight ends coach, Pat, will usually install that for us. Uh, And then on the field, like individual uh, practice, we'll do stuff with the the, the tackles, you know, work our combination blocks. And then we'll also go with the receivers and do routes on there. So it is kind of split a lot. Uh, they tend not to have a whole lot of time with just tight end specific drills because we are mm-hmm. kind of bouncing around, you know, receivers totally. with the O-line. Yeah. What, what would you say is the biggest misconception people have about your job or like one thing they'd be surprised to learn about being a tight end? Ah, uh, for me, it was the pass protection. <laughs> yeah, for, I think I think that might be that might be it because you know these big offensive tackles like Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, these studs, they get paid a lot of money to protect the quarterback. Uh, but we're out there too. You know, we get thrown in a lot, especially with threats that we have like DK and Tyler, and now Jackson. They're gonna uh, want to take some shots, so uh, definitely going to be used in the pass protection game. And uh, I think people don't really realize how. We could be put anywhere. We could be put in the backfield and, you know, used uh, as right. a pullback. We could put in line and protecting or cross-sifting. There's so many different things. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. I want to get to the specific guys in the tight end room. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about y'all's role in the Shane Waldron offense because you came up, like you said, it was with Schottenheimer. Like when you're yeah. learning an NFL offense, it was a totally different offense. And now you've got – a coordinator who uses tight ends in a totally different way. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he's afraid to feature you guys in the passing game or utilize you in a number of different ways. What was that transition like? 
not too bad. My transition to the NFL uh, was really nice, actually. The shoddy offense uh, was very similar to what we ran at Stanford. Um, so the transition was pretty smooth. And then shoddy to Shane. Like you said, Shane does a great job using the tight ends. Uh, it's a lot of fun, especially when all three of us can get out there and run wild. Uh, a lot of the 13 personnel stuff, I have a blast with that. It's so much fun to be out there with those guys. And we're all on the same page because we're in the same room all the time. We're, we're able to kind of play off each other. We don't have to necessarily communicate everything before the play happens. Uh, so that makes it really fun. And, and again, Shane does a great job in the pass game as well, kind of opening up some cool opportunities for us. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of plays where you guys are actually featured mm-hmm. in the pass play, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like for a lot of offenses, it's kind of like, all right, first read's not open, second read's not open, I'm in trouble, I'm going to dump it over the middle the end, yeah. to the tight end. That's not you guys, is it? Yeah, it's not. And I, I think we kind of get a, a bad rap almost for uh, just the fact that we have three of us. I mean, when you look mm-hmm. at our numbers, individually, we wouldn't be ranked anywhere. But all three of us are getting the ball a good amount. We're running the ball a lot uh, at the tight end. Uh, so I, Shane's done a great job uh, making sure all of us are getting some touches and I think we do a good job as a room being super consistent for Gino, uh, able to earn his trust uh, over the middle or wherever it is. Well, yeah, that that's the thing, right? We we talk about play caller tendencies, like this is the Shane Waldron offense, this is the Andy Reid offense, this mm-hmm. is the Sean McVay offense, whatever it ends up being. But that only works if the people are doing what they're called upon to do. So it's sure. like, it's great that he wants to feature you guys, but he wouldn't be able to if you guys weren't delivering the way right. that he needed you to. Yeah, absolutely. And last year was a great year uh, for the tight end room, and we're looking forward to taking even more strides this year. Well, yeah. I mean, between you, Noah Fant, and Will Disley, I, I would agree. I think the Seahawks have one of the most complete tight end rooms in the NFL. Yeah. But even though you guys all play the same position, you don't all really play the same position, right? Yeah, sure. Tell me what's unique about each of you guys and what different skill sets you offer. Yeah. So Disley is uh, obviously super well known for his blocking. Uh, he's a stud. And he can catch the ball, too. He does a great job in his routes. I think that's uh, somewhat of a misconception that he's only a blocker. Um, but you look at the tape, he gets open a lot. He, he runs well after the catch. Um, had a couple of really clutch touchdowns for us last year. Uh, we look at you know the first game of the year against the Broncos. That was fun, both of us scoring those touchdowns and, and yeah. kind of winning, winning the game that way. Um, but, yeah, he does a great job. And then Noah's just crazy athletic, super fast. Dude really fun to watch i'm like i'm really competitive as you know you'd assume and i'm like i i just can't do that he's so fast like he's we'll do like some testing in the in the weight room for like jumps or whatever i'm like that's just not my game (laughs) it's like yeah i I know who i am and that and that's not it and and credit to him he works really hard he's really athletic and he's willing to block as well um does a good job when called upon and then I think I kind of fit both. You know, I, I try to uh, pride myself when I first got to the league of I'm going to become a good blocker. I didn't block a lot mm-hmm. in college, but I need to take that next step if I want to be who I want to be in the league. And that's someone who doesn't have to be taken off the field if it's a first down run or a third down pass. You know, want to be able to stay out there for the whole thing. So uh, trying to fit uh, that complete tight end is kind of my goal. Well, and, you know, there's some advantages to being built the way that you are and being so tall. But in blocking, in a low man wins type of game. It's a little bit of an extra challenge, I bet. Yeah, no doubt. The amount of times I've heard get low Colby or stay low, or it's just innumerable. I'm Uh, trying coach (laughs) as low as I get. I'm getting as low as the guy next to me. He just starts eight (laughs) inches lower. (laughs) I don't know what you want me to do. Um, Yeah, totally. 
but trying to use my levers to my advantage has definitely been something that uh, I've learned making sure I'm staying low and then it's all leverage based. But if I have extra length, I'm able to use that to my advantage um, and make sure I'm not just getting too tall. Uh, but it's kind of mindset too. Just, you got to do it. You got to try super hard. That's kind of what I've learned is trying super hard and blocking usually works out for you. When you were coming up through the ranks and uh, building yourself up as a football player through high school, college, your first few years in the league, who were the guys at your position that you were looking at and seeing yourself in, seeing who you could potentially actualize yourself in that archetype as? Sure. I mean, going to Stanford, there's so many great examples. Sure. Uh, Zach Ertz was one of them in the past game where I, was, I watched a bunch of his tape and he's so shifty and always in the, seems to be in the right place. Uh, and then really growing up, it was like the Antonio Gates, the Jason Witten, Tony Gonzalez, those guys. Um, and they, they, most of them did it all, you know, so learning from them that, uh, you gotta be willing to uh, put your hand in the dirt and block outside zone on first down. If you want to catch the ball on Y option on third down, you know? Um, so just learning from those guys that, uh, you gotta be willing and not just uh, put yourself in a box. So, Last week, we had Michael Bumpus, who spent some time with the Seahawks as a receiver. He was on. He was talking about wide receiver position, and he likes to talk about how you need to have a plan as a receiver, right? There's yeah. the play that's called, and then there's the play that actually happens, sure. right? Sure. Is is that one of the things that you kind of have found, like, this is something that's really important. Like, I'll take the first two, three steps in my route, and depending on what the defense is doing, I need to know whether I'm going to do X or Y based on what they're doing. For sure. Yeah, and that just comes with repetition, you know, understanding what the defense is going to do, pre-snap, post-snap. Uh, when you take those first few steps, everything kind of changes, you know. So being able to interpret on the fly what the defense is doing, you know, whether they're they're buzzing into a, a three-match or something like that, uh, it, it changes your route a little bit. And just trying to be on the same page with the quarterback is the biggest part. Yeah, so, you know, with, with tight ends, again, you know, a lot of us, we look at it and we're like, that's the position. You know, you got receivers, you got tight ends, you got linemen, running backs, et cetera. But even within tight end, you'll have guys who are primarily inline tight ends, guys who are more like move tight ends, and then kind of like a joker position, like you said, could be in the backfield, right. could move all around, basically looking for mismatches. When you first got brought in, or even throughout these first three years, have they talked to you about like, hey, this is kind of what we see you as? I know you said the goal is to kind of be able to fit both roles. Or is it just like, hey, we need all three of you guys to be able to do all three things? Yeah. Uh, to answer your first question, when I got drafted, Pete told me, you need to be ready to play Y. You need to be ready to be the complete tight end. You're not just going to be a pass catcher like you were in college. Like We see you being able to develop into someone who can block really well. Um, so I took that to heart, and uh, I think I've – prove that I can do it at a high level. Um, and then your second question oh, about all three of us, Shane always says that he feels like we have three starting tight ends on the, on the roster. Uh, and I think all of us pride ourselves in being able to do everything. And I think we all can at a very high level. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by learning how to block, like really learn how to block for the first time at mm -hmm. the NFL level. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, Hey, I took a lot of pride in that. I wanted to get better at it. And so I did, but like, what, what does that look like? How are sure. you learning to block a blitzing uh, linebacker or chip on defensive end or right. all of the different things that you need to do, not only to recognize it, but to physically be able to do that thing. Yeah. So uh, I give a lot of credit to my uh, tight ends coach in college, Morgan Turner. He did a great job. Uh, a lot of footwork. We did footwork every single day. And I think all that repetition gave me confidence to not think about it. 
you know, I, I knew what my feet were going to do. I knew what I needed to do. Now it's just doing it. And having that mentality switch of, you know, not being so careful, like right, I need a six inch step here, rocker step, whatever yeah. the case is, uh, and just going, just not thinking kind of reckless abandon going for it. That kind of switched my uh, ability in the run game, I think. Yeah. Cause I imagine when you're learning something, I, I just know from every sport that I've ever played or attempted to play in the beginning, you're, you're thinking so yeah. sequentially, right? Yeah. Like. I mean, take a golf swing, right? I was about You're to say, you should watch me golf. I'm like every single, I have like 10 swing shots. It's, it's a mess. Yeah. But when you're having your best round, right? You're not, you're thinking, not about thinking about that. You're, exactly. you're setting up and you're swinging. Yeah, exactly. And that's just the same exact thing. Just not thinking about my footwork, just going. Because my feet are good. I trust my footwork at this point. Just go for it. So during this time, were there any plays like whether it be in practice or in games when you're, it's like, okay, I've been, I'm practicing. I'm, I'm blocker now where you just got whipped and you're like, Oh my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's, there is one play that sticks out a couple of years ago against the saints at home. It was a counter coming to me. So that means we have two pullers and, uh, I went to get my guy. I think it was, uh, cam Jordan. And he pushed me back into the first polar, which pushed me back into the second polar. And I was like, okay, I need to bring a little more weight with me next time. <laughs> I can't just cover this guy up. I'm like, I got bumped. It would have been a good play. We got like, we lost a yard or something. I was like, okay, I need to figure it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you know, that play's coming in the film session, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You're like closing <laughs> your eyes. Oh, I'm taking a drink of water. So I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. So that's another thing that, that I'm fascinated with the whole uh, professional football experience, especially at the NFL level. And I, and I know that there's this in high school and in college, yep. but when, when you're in those film sessions, like, with your position coach, with with Shane, with Pete, how are they when it comes to giving feedback? Because, you know, you get some guys, they're hard asses, they'll chew you sure. out, all that stuff. Other people take different approaches. How do they communicate with you and how do you best receive coaching? Yeah, <clears throat> I think Seattle's pretty unique. It's very constructive feedback. Uh, there's not a whole lot of yelling, not a whole lot of, uh, um, you know, coming at guys. It's more so they treat us as adults, as grown men who have a professional job and uh, they tell us what they think we should have done. And I tell them why I did it this way. And they're like, okay, I can see that. But next time, you know, do it this way because of X, Y, and Z that you maybe didn't know about was happening in the backfield or whatever the case may be. Um, but they're really constructive. And for the most part, especially in the tight end room, we grade out pretty high uh, and grading out means each play will get a, a plus minus. Uh, so the, those two pluses potential on each play. The first one is if you did it, did your job. So if you did the correct thing, the second is if you did it well. Um, so, mm. well, usually the tight ends are usually grayed out really high. So we tend to do our job and tend to do, do it well. You know, I was uh, listening to an interview between KJ Wright and Luke Wilson, mm -hmm. uh, another former Seahawks tight end. And they were talking about how Pete likes to show highlights. Like even after a loss, even yep. if it was like a bad game, it's uh -huh. not harping on the mistakes. It's like a reminder. Yeah. This is what you're capable of. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that. I was just at tight end you here in Nashville. Uh, George oh, Carroll, Travis man. Kelsey, all those guys. Awesome time. And uh, Jordan Reed came out and, and talked to us. And he had something that he said that I'm, I'm going to apply to my game this year. Is he would take uh, clips of his good uh, plays on his phone and then just watch them over and over. And he said that led to so much confidence in himself. Instead of, I've always kind of been under the mindset of, watch the bad stuff, learn what you did wrong. But then you're kind of filling your mind with, you know, oh, I messed up. Don't do this again. But it's like, right. no, if you watch the good clips, like 
Pete does with us every after every game, win or loss. It's like, no, I'm I'm capable of this. I should have confidence because I'm meant to be here. Like this is uh, this is who I am. It's like it's like I, I know Mike and I want to circle back to tight end university too, but it, what you just said reminds me. Of like I remember it wasn't that long ago. You know, starting to make some progress in the golf game, starting yeah. to play pretty well. I had a great round going, uh-huh. and then out of nowhere. Just a pure freaking hosel. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Straight sideways. All been there. And <laughs> it is so hard not to have that shot it's crazy, be right? the for, the forefront thing. Like, yeah. I could have had, you know, 30 good shots in a row and then one really bad one. And it's so hard not to think like, yeah, don't do that ball, again. Like, don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that you're thinking about at 3 a.m. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember my last good shot. I could tell you that I duffed a chip last time I played. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think that's all of us. Yeah. Tell us more about your experience at tight end. You, how was that uh, between that and, you know, like national tight ends day, I feel like tight end awareness is at uh, all time. Exactly. All time. high. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Tell uh, us about your experience there with those guys. Yeah. It's great. Every year I've come to it all three years. They've done it. Um, George, Travis, Greg, they do a great job putting it on and it's just cool to be around like-minded guys. And, you know, I, I don't come to learn how to block or learn how to run around. I come for like one little nugget, you know, whether it's the Jordan mm-hmm. Reed thing saying like, okay, watch your good stuff, you know, get confidence from that or uh, a release or something like that. It's just so good to be around all these guys. It's, a, I mean, it feels like a once in a lifetime opportunity that happens every year, but it's a, it's a pretty special event. How many times did Travis yell, let's go? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot. How many times did he call you a jabroni? A jabroni. <laughs> me, I don't think he called me one once, but I've definitely heard that on his mouth. Is that is that like tight end university? Is that like kind of open invite if you're an NFL tight end, come on down, or how, how does that work? Uh, for the most part, I think I, I think they cut back a little bit from last year. I'm not entirely sure, but we have a lot of guys coming. I, I think it was like sixty something this year. Um, so most of the NFL guys come, and uh, yeah, it's great. What a cool thing, yeah. you know? Because for the longest time, the NFL was like famously insular, right? Like mm-hmm. no cameras at practice, no fans at practice. Like what we do is what we do ultra secretive, but to have the current greats in the game be like, look, we want to make yeah. everybody better. That's, that's feels like a special thing. Yeah, it definitely is. And that was, when I first got, you mentioned Luke Wilson, remind me of this. Uh, when I first got to the league, uh, Luke was like the most supportive guy. He really took me under his wing, kind of showed me the ropes of how Seattle does things and whatnot. And eventually when I got healthy is when he got released. It was just a super hard mm-hmm. thing, but he was, he knew that was the case, you know? Um, so I think that's kind of like how these guys take the approach to tight end you is um, understanding, like just p- pay it forward. You know, it's not just about me. I'm not going to hide all this, you know, secrets that I've learned about the league. It's um, trying to help out the guy next to you. And that selflessness is something that Luke really taught me early on. So you, you just touched on, one of the real hard things about life as an NFL player, right? It's the thing we don't really want to talk about and that people are so callous about when they tweet about it or write about it online, whatever. It's just like, Oh, this guy got cut or whatever. And it's like, that could be the end of a lifelong dream and, and tons of hard work. So my question to you is you get drafted, you make the final roster, you start carving out some playing time, but then every year the draft comes along. Yeah. Are you keeping, I like, are they going to take a tight end here? Is that a, kind of a part of the thought process? Or yeah. how, how do you approach as a current NFL player watching your team draft? Well, thankfully, I haven't really had to deal with it. We haven't drafted anyone since me. 
um, mm-hmm. as a tight end. Uh, and we had such a solid room past year. I didn't really think they would draft anyone. Um, and I'm still kind of young in my career going into year four. So I'm, I'm thinking in a few years, if you ask me that, it'll be a different story, but not too worried about it at this point. That's awesome. Well, and I mean, they, they seem pleased with you and, you know, I, I imagine as an NFL player or player at any level, you obviously, you want to earn the trust of your coaches, earn the trust of the other guys in your positional group and all that. But it seems like you've really earned Geno's trust as well. And it's just nature of the quarterback position. Ultimately, he's the guy deciding where the play is going to go. And I'm sure he's got influence on personnel and who's out there with him. How has that been learning Geno, Geno learning you and, and the importance of having that connection with the team's quarterback? Yeah, it's huge. And I, I think it goes back to when I wasn't getting a whole lot of play time. And back when Russ was here, Gino and I were working together a bunch. You know, I was the second team. We were going out there a lot. And I think I gained some of his trust then. And, and then just consistently being where he wants me and catching the ball when he throws it to me is kind of the biggest part of earning the quarterback's trust. Well, speaking of that, I want to go back and relive something with you. <laughs> okay. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. Week one of last season. Mm-hmm. It's Monday night football. You got all the hype surrounding not only the season opener, but Russell Wilson's first game as a Bronco in Seattle, poetically against the team that drafted him. Crowd's going absolutely bananas. Yep. Second quarter, you're tied 10-10. You're on Denver's 25-yard line. You're set up to the right. You got Tyler Lockett outside of you, and he runs like a clear-out crosser, and you sort of sprint behind him, get behind the linebacker and up the scene. Geno dials you up. You haul in your first career touchdown. Not only that, ends up being the game winner. Yep. Talk us through that play, whether you were the first read, kind of what your responsibilities were, and at what moment you realized this is it. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, route was completed this many times in practice. <laughs> Got thrown. It was never open. That's a big fat zero for, yep. for the listeners out yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just popped. Uh, you know, Tyler cleared it out. I'm running up to seam, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm kind of supposed to turn early, but there's no one behind the guy that's buzzing out to me. So I'm like, I'm just going to run and see if Gino sees me. And the seas parted and Gino found me and it was, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Do you even have a, a chance? Like when that ball's in the air, were you even thinking like, oh my gosh, this is the first touchdown. It's just kind of like, hey, I'm playing football. I caught the ball, scored a touchdown. And then it sort of washes over you. Uh, when I was running, I was like, holy crap, I am wide open. <laughs> so I didn't really think about the first touchdown or anything, but I was like, I, there's no one around me. Like, please see me. <laughs> yeah, we, that was, that was a lot of fun. I, I went kind of crazy after that. Will and I, Disley and I have like a, a handshake we do and he tried to do it after I scored and I just like, jumped and like, <laughs> almost like, looked like I was dunking on him, which is pretty funny. So I was, I was a little geeked out. Like you said, you and Will had, both of your touchdowns in yeah. that game uh and it ended up being the deciding touchdown your score was but last year i looked it up and tight ends caught just over 26 percent of receiving touchdowns league-wide but in seattle between you will noah and tyler mabry you caught a third of gino's passing touchdowns so my question is would you consider gino to be an ally of tight ends as a whole <laughs> i'd say so i mean if you like i said earlier if you combined all of our numbers we'd be you know one of the top five in the league uh it's just hard when you have three uh, really solid tight ends you gotta gotta spread the wealth a little bit um and we're all you know gunning for more opportunities more balls more reps uh 
But I definitely think Gino um, does a good job distributing the ball. Yeah, I mean, obviously that play goes into the forever memories file. But were there any other moments from last season that have really stuck with you? Like when you're thinking back over the season, your mind just kind of keeps going back to a couple of things. Yeah, yeah, there's a few. Uh, The Chargers game, uh, we ran the ball really well. A lot of 13 personnel stuff. Um, The Ken's like was like an 80 yard touchdown. You had a big block on that one too, man. You wiped your dude out on that. Yeah, that was. That was sweet. Will did a great job holding him up on the front side. I was able to uh, kind of crush the hip and then work up to the corner, and Ken was just gone. Um, and then the Cardinals game was really fun, too. The four-minute drive at the end of the game where we kind of sealed the deal. Uh, we were in 13 personnel, I think, that entire drive for like five or six plays. Um, able to cap it off with uh, – I was able to help push Ken into the end zone, which was really cool. And uh, just so much fun, I think, when all of us, all three tight ends are out there and uh, just the re- Shane does a great job, like I said, dressing up different looks and um, different formations. So it's a blast. You know, the thing about football that I think is so unique is it is such an intertwined game. It's not like you can just like basketball where you just give the ball your best player and run a clear out play, right? Like everything has sure. to kind of work together. And it's something that Walter Jones talked about when we had him on as well with the offensive line. But when you're run blocking, the style of runner that you're blocking for probably influences the way that you're blocking a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say a little bit. I think we do a great job. Chad, our running backs coach does a great job getting those guys uh, pretty close, but uh, they let them do their own thing. You know, Ken's super dynamic and shifty. And we know if we just get on a guy, doesn't have to be perfect. He's going to make a miss or, you know, find the gap. Um, So that helps a lot when you have a, a stud like him back there. It's got to be an exciting thing to hit your block and look up and just see him gone like that. Yeah, I mean, that Chargers game, that clip we were just talking about, <clears throat> I had no idea where he was. So when I, I hit the guy's hip and I'm working up to the corner, I'm thinking maybe he gets like a five or six-yard gain, and then I cover up the corner, and all of a sudden, psh, Ken's just by me. I'm like, I think he got to like 21 miles an hour, 21 and a half or yeah. something like that on that run, which is wild. Um, so I, that was really fun. Yeah, man, I, I got to think. And – you know, now you got uh, Zach back there, you know, a little bit different yep. running style. Obviously, DJ's got his own style. Travis had his own style. It just, that, that part of it is, is so fascinating to me because some guys, you probably just have to hold the block a little bit longer. But a uh, guy like Walker, maybe not quite as much. Yeah. Little, little margin for error for you. Yeah, absolutely. He makes us right. Um Makes a lot of guys miss, which helps us out a lot on the front end. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, listen, man, this has been an extraordinary conversation. And I know that your free time is very, very valuable in the off season. So I really appreciate you spending some of that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. And God bless. Yeah, we, we appreciate it, brother. And look, before we get out of here, is there anywhere the listeners can follow you? Yeah, uh, at Coley Parkinson on Instagram, CJ51. Fun fact, CJ51, because Ichiro Suzuki wore number 51, <laughs> and he was my favorite baseball player growing up. Yep, I wore number 51 my entire life. So, CJ51 on Twitter. This was destiny then. Yeah, dude. We used to live in Isquad when I was a kid, actually, for a couple of years. So, okay. Uh, grew, up, grew up Mariners fan, grew up Seahawks fan, so kind of crazy to be, be back. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's going to do it for today, folks. As always, you can find Mike and I on social media as well. I am on Twitter at, at Jackson Bevins. That's J A C S O N. Mike is on Twitter at, at Mike Barwin, and the show itself is at Cigar Thoughts. You can also find us on Instagram at Cigar Thoughts NFL, and on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok at, at Cigar Thoughts. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you like the show, 
drop us a five-star rating, leave us a quick review. Finally, be sure to check out CigarThoughtsNFL.com to get your exclusive Cigar Thought cigars, or hit me up on Twitter and I'll shoot you the details. When you buy these cigars, reach out on Twitter or Instagram with a pic and tell us what you think. Thank you to all of y'all listening for your continued support of the show. We know you've only got so much time for podcasts in your life, and it's an honor to be a part of that for y'all. Please know that by sharing this show on social media and with your friends, you give us the juice to keep making it happen. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, onwards and upwards, my friends. Mm-hmm.